Here in chapter 2 of Deuteronomy, we have the continued sermon of Moses to the people of God to prepare them to enter the land. In this second chapter, we have both the beginning and the ending of Israel's march toward the land of Canaan and God's marvelous providences toward them during those marches. You'll notice that Moses omits virtually all of the intervening period, a very sad period in Israel's history. He leaves it all out, just begins with the first part and ends with the latter portion. Here now the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word, Deuteronomy 2, starting at verse 1. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough, turn you northward, and command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they shall be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore, meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land, no, not so much as a footbreadth, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. Ye shall buy meat of them for money, that ye may eat, and ye shall also buy water of them for money, that ye may drink. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness these forty years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And when we passed by from our brethren, the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, through the way of the plain from Elath and from, and from Ezion-Geber, we, we turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given Ar unto the children of Lot for a possession. The Imims dwelt therein in times past, a people great and many and tall, as the Anakims, which also were accounted giants as the Anakims, but the Moabites called them Emims. The Horims also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them when they had destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead, as Israel did unto the land of his possession, which the Lord gave unto them. Now rise up, said I, and get you over the brook Zered. And we went over the brook Zered. And the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over the brook Zered was thirty and eight years until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord sware unto them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among their host until they were consumed. So it came to pass when all the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people, that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou art to pass over through Ar, the coast of Moab, this day. And when thou comest nigh over against the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them. For I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession, because I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession." 
That also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old time, and the Ammonites called them Zamzumims, a people great and many and tall as the Anakims. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. As he did to the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, when he destroyed the Horims from before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead even unto this day. And the Avims, which dwelt in Hazarim, even unto Azah, the Kaftorims, which came forth out of Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their stead. Rise ye up, take your journey, and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given into thine hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven, who shall hear report of thee and shall tremble and be in anguish because of thee. And I sent messengers out of the wilderness of Kedemoth unto Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through thy land. I will go along by the highway. I will neither turn unto the right hand nor to the left. Thou shalt sell me meat for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only I will pass through on my feet. As the children of Esau, which dwell, dwell in Seir, and the Moabites, which dwell in Ar, did unto me, until I shall pass over Jordan into the land which the Lord our God giveth us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. For the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might deliver him into thy hand as appeareth this day. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land before thee. Begin to possess it, that thou mayest inherit his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all his people, to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him before us, and we smote him and his sons and all his people. And we took all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain. Only the cattle we took for a prey unto ourselves and the spoil of the cities which we took. From Aroer, which is by the brink of the river of Arnon, and from the city that is by the river even unto Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us, the Lord our God delivered all unto us. Only unto the land of the children of Ammon thou camest not, nor unto any place of the river Jabbok, nor unto the cities in the mountains, nor unto whatsoever the Lord our God forbade us. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 2. Some thoughts on this most instructive passage we have here in verses 1 through 3, God commanding them to face toward Canaan after being in Mount Seir long enough. 
verses 4 through 23, they have instructions regarding and encouragement from their brother nations, Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Now think about this. God is saying, you, my servants, I have chosen you in a special way. But even those that I have rejected, such as Esau and the children of Lot, I have provided an inheritance for them. I have given them a place and they got there very easily or with much difficulty. Well, with much difficulty. All of them faced giants, didn't they? And yet God drove out the giants, destroyed them and gave them their land. How much more for you, my people that I've chosen? You see the reasoning here. God presents these instances of his common goodness even to those reprobates outside of his testament, not his heirs, how much more will God take care of you, O ye of little faith, we might say. Notice verse 4. God promised they shall be afraid of you. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, how much less everyone else's. God can strike terror on behalf of his people, and therefore we ought to entrust our lives not to our machinations, not to our designs and plans and purposes, but we must trust them to God who controls and rules all. Notice verse 5. I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession, he says. Now this word possession means an inheritance, something given from a father to a son so that he may enjoy it. So Esau, in a manner of speaking, was God's heir. You remember God had made blessings for Esau through Isaac, his father. Not the blessings of spiritual inheritance, yet still, by God's providence, he had appointed and given this land to Esau. And they would continue to possess this land for a good number of years. Again, this serves as an encouragement. If I provide for the reprobate... How much more for my chosen people? That's what he's saying. God says in verse 7 that he knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. Now there is more intended than just God's knowledge of this. Did not God order this? They didn't move until God's fire or his cloud moved. And they did not stop moving until the fire or the cloud stopped. So here God uses the word know. I He knoweth thy walking to mean more than just knowing. I directed, I governed, I blessed, I protected. God wants us again to take encouragement that he knows our circumstances, but much more than that. He has directed them. He has ordered them. He governs them. Why? For our good, so that we may be blessed in the end. Now, are those wanderings easy? Did they have an easy time for those 38 years? No, they had trouble after trouble after trouble, and yet all in God's providence for the good of his people. Verse 7, thou hast lacked nothing, though he says elsewhere they were a race of stubborn mood, yet they were blessed and protected by God. They lacked nothing. Now, much more so if you are a humble and obedient people seeking to do the Lord's will, repenting of your sins, you should have even more encouragement that God will look after you. They were not to meddle with the children of Lot. Verse 9, because I have given R unto the children of Lot for a possession. Again, this is inheritance, the idea here. The lot of their inheritance, I've given it to them. 
they dwell there, so much more shall you inherit. Now, let us think on this for ourselves. Does God bless the wicked who are alienated from him? Yes, in our day he does. Will he then forget about those whom he loves, those whom he's called? No, of course he will not. If he provides for the reprobates and the wicked, how much more for those reconciled to him by the death of his son? We need not then worry or fret. Verse 10 refers to the emims, which dwelt there in times past. This word emim, the Westminster Annotations note, means those who are terrible for their tall stature and tyrannical oppression. Again, this is an encouragement. If they inherited, despite the tyranny, despite the power, despite the fearfulness of their enemies, what about you? Should your enemies, should your fears, should your terrors keep you back from entering into the possession? Of course not. That's what the Lord's saying to them. God swear, he says in verse 14, that that whole generation would not enter in. They would all die out and be consumed. And God made good on that oath. God's threats and oaths are reliable. If he makes a promise, we can trust it. If he makes a threat, we can trust it. There was no conditional repentance implied or expressed in that. You will not enter from 20 years old and up. That's it. They all had to die. Why? To make an example of them for all future generations. Do not distrust God. Do not disobey God or you will pay the price. Notice verse 20. He says, That also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old times, and the Ammonites called them Zamzumims. This is very interesting. Now the word for giant can mean a shade, or a very tall person, or a ghost, or a damned person. Someone who's in the shades of hell, in other words, outer darkness. So these were very evil people, but they were tall and fearful people. And notice the Ammonites referred to them as Zamzumims, abominable rogues, thieves, and robbers, of whom everyone was afraid. But did they inherit the land? They did. They overcame these wicked ghosts, these damned, these giants, these shades. The Ammonites overcame them and overtook them. Now you Israelites were afraid, weren't you? Because of what? Giants. And yet they had terrifying giants too. And they inherited those outside of God's covenants of promise. Verse 21, but the Lord destroyed them before them and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. God determines the bounds of men's habitations and when those bounds will cease and they move on. God rules over the destiny of nations. Verses 24 through 37 on that same theme, what nations Israel should attack and conquer, namely Sihon, king of the Amorites, and completely destroy him and his people and possess their land, as verse 24, God tells them, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Now notice, what is the proper order that Israel follows? Do they go right into battle? No, they actually say, can we come through your land? We offer you terms of peace. 
We will give you money for food. We will give you money for water. We'll go through on our feet. And you can see we have an example here in the past. Two examples we can bring. We did this to two nations, the Ammonites and the Edomites. Now, will you accept our terms or not? God puts the dread of them, the fear of them upon all nations, he says, again, ruling over their hearts. These words of peace in verses 26 through 28 are spurned. Verse 30 tells us why. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. Now, would not literally means he chose not to. His will was against it. He nilled it. He did not will it. He opposed it and said, no, I'm not going to let this happen of his own will. But notice also, verse 30, the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into thy hand. God had a purpose in hardening Sihon's heart. It was a purpose of good for his people, was it not? I note then this doctrine that reprobation is a divine hardening of men's hearts for the good of his people, for the glory of his justice, and note it well, that this hardening of God is in harmony with the free acts of men. Sihon chose not to accept the terms. God hardened Sihon's heart. The Bible teaches that these two are consistent. No, actually, that this is the means by which God accomplishes his decree is through the free actions of men. Sihon was damned by his own will. He chose his own destruction, and yet God hardened his heart, not against his will, but in consonance with his will. And so we see God in his infinite wisdom can accomplish for the good of his people, for the judgment of the wicked, to punish them for their sins, to inflict damnation upon them because they love their sin and they will not let them go. Now, Sihon, you'll recall, was a godlike warrior. We read this in Numbers 21, verses 27 and following. It says that a fire went out from before him to devour all of his adversaries. There were proverbs that the people of that land spoke about Sihon, how wonderful and mighty he was. What is that to God? Nothing. Just like Pharaoh, he can harden his heart, throw him into the ocean, destroy all of his hosts. Are our enemies strong? Yes. Do they seem to have the upper hand at this time? Yes. Does it seem that they can do with impunity whatever they want? Yes. Will that go on forever? No. God will destroy them. He will harden their hearts. He will cause them to fall in the greatness of their godlike pride. They will die as men, the Psalms tell us. Verse 33, the Lord our God delivered him before us. This is proper military reporting. How did the battle go? Well, the men did this, and they did that, and this happened, and we went here, and they... No. This is proper military reporting. God gave us victory. God destroyed our adversaries. Do we use means? Yes. But the results are God's. 
And so therefore the victory belongs to the Lord and he gives it to whomever he pleases. And Sihon forgot that. Sihon trusted in his great strength. Sihon believed in the proverbs of the heathen that ascribed to him divinity. And he was destroyed as a result. His heart was hardened in his pride. Do not give your will to work evil. Do not be like Sihon, who was not soft and pliable to God's command, who didn't receive the offer of Israel with humanity and with gentleness. No, rather it provoked his pride. Do not be like him, lest you partake in his destruction. Be a humble people, trusting in God, obeying his commandments, lest you be destroyed as his men, his women, and his little ones all partook in his destruction because of pride on his part. And thus far the explanation.